UK Motor Talk. Well, hello everyone. We are back again for what is a National Flamenco Day. So unfortunately, Dave can't join us because he's currently dancing. But I'm Mike. I'm Jim. Good evening. Good morning. Good day. I'm Graham. Good evening to you or whatever time of day it is in your part of the world. And how are we all then? How are we doing? Uh, I'm as, uh, yes, I'm not too bad really. We had a, uh, a good day out yesterday at Brands Hatch in the track car, didn't we? And uh, that was a, a nice little trip out. It was a bit uh, a bit cold, a bit damp, but it's uh, very damp. expected in Britain in November, really. But it was uh, a Ford-only track day, nice and um, quite quiet, actually. So there was uh, not too much traffic apart from one bit in the afternoon where, for some reason, there were 14 cars all within 200 yards of each other and not a single car on the rest of the track. That was uh, <laughs> a little bit odd. It, it was a bit. Generally a good day, but when you had your uh, your spin, that was uh, entertaining. Luckily, nobody managed to collect <laughs> you, so that was uh, that was also quite good. I have uh, I have watched the the in car footage of that, and that was uh, that was quite entertaining, to be fair. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was a bit damp anywhere other than on the racing line. If you were just slightly off, or you were going in a bit too keen. Everything got a bit too slippery, a bit too quickly, and then you end up facing the wrong way. As as was evident by the next person that came in about, what, 30 seconds after I managed to get back on the track and did exactly the same thing, exactly the same yeah, spot. Yeah, I was quite lucky you got going when you did, actually. Otherwise, I think he would have collected you and uh, and I would have shouted at you and been angry at you for uh, for trashing the car. But as it was, there was only one teeny tiny bit of mud on it, which was, I'm not quite sure how you managed to do that. It remained remarkably clean. I have no idea how I managed to end up on the grass. Uh, the best bit was though, I, I took myself into the pits, expecting to be black flagged for the marshal to have a chat. And I, I popped up, spoke to the marshal, and he he looked at me, and goes, "What's your name?" I said, "Oh, it's Mike." He goes, "Mike?" I said, "Mike, Mike Gates." And he took took my number, driver number, and he looked at me, and goes, "Hang on a second, Mike." He goes, "Hang on." And he goes, "Oh, it was, it was it was just that little spin back there." I was like, "Right, <laughs> yes." Like, well, we're keeping an eye on track limits today, so you know, just stay on the track. Uh, okay. <laughs> Always useful consumer advice on a track, isn't it? Stay on the track. Okay, well, I'll I'll give it a go. But it was uh, no, I mean the the little Surtees McLaren clearways bit was always quite slippy at the best of times. Very. And the uh, the first (laughs) run out in the morning, I'd had a couple of quite substantial uh, sideways moments through there, but it didn't really grip up all day. And no. until about the last what hour or so, did it? There was just no no dry line had uh, had appeared there. Mm. But it was uh, no, it was very entertaining. We took a uh, work colleague, I suppose, or a work contact with us. We uh, we invited him along, and he had a, a whale of a time. He uh, he definitely said he got the bug. Although I was quite disappointed actually, because he turned up in a Mark Seven Fiesta ST, and uh, and I'd explained to him the rule: if you bend it, you mend it. And then at one point he said, "Oh well, if I bend your car, then you can just have my car." To which we both Done. just said, yes, okay, that's fine. Uh, Druids, right. by the way, you can take completely flat out. You don't need to brake at all. Um, and we'd have uh, we'd have got quite a nice car out of that, hadn't we? But, uh... <laughs> he did really well, though. He, he was first time on track, and um, he said, oh, yeah, he welcomed some instruction, wanted to go out, and uh, and he went out with both of us. And I stayed in the car with him, saying, that's what you don't crash into, this is where I'm going to slide later, and all the rest of it. It started off slowly, got quicker and quicker throughout the day, and he was he was doing some some really good speed by the time uh, by the time he was finished. You know, you can tell, because if you're approaching Paddock Hill and you're you're doing nearly 100 miles an hour, you know that you've had a fast lap, because unfortunately there's no other way of knowing. There was a, a little group of Mark VI Fiesta ST150s like ours, and the, the early part of the day you could see them get past him straight away and disappear into the distance. And he had that, mm. that little run in the afternoon, didn't he? And all three of them were just, uh, did what, six, seven, eight laps, um, nose to tail. And, and he yep. hung on to the back of them. So it was, he uh, did. It was good to watch. And I think he, really he got, got out it. of it saying he'd, uh, he definitely got the bug, I think. And he's, uh, but he's just bought a Cayman. So as we were kind enough to let him have a go in our car, then hopefully he'll let us have a go in his car. So uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be out in a Cayman anytime soon. I think Donnington's his local track, isn't it? Because it was a bit of a trek for him. Luckily, he was down for the weekend anyway. Yeah, he's so, on uh, Manchester. Who knows? Maybe we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, maybe we'll try another manufacturer back at Donnington for our, our next outing. Who knows? Funnily enough, he was messaging me last night saying, I've, you know, since I've been out, I'm kind of looking at track cars now and just thinking, <laughs> thinking about what to buy. Because he, he was surprised that it, it, it can be such good fun. And yet again... It was bulletproof, wasn't it, on track? I mean, you did your best to break it. You came in, everything smelt hot, 
The tyres smelt hot. Was, the metalwork yeah, smelt hot. I mean, how did you do nice that? Got it nice and warm, and I think the uh, well, the brakes have, uh, have definitely seen better days. So we've They've got really a, a few plans over the winter, haven't we? We need to do uh, upgrade the the brake materials ever so slightly, uh, front and rear. So, we'll, uh, but we need to do discs and pads all round. Definitely relocate the power steering fluid because there was quite a big puddle of it on the floor of the garage, which we uh, which cleaned we cleaned up. up. Yes, yes, we did. We uh, we left we the did. place clean and tidy. And uh, than we found yeah, so it. we've got a uh, a bit of extra power steering cooling, so we can do that. And um, I don't think it's too much else it needs, really. It's, it's soldier. It's doing well for ninety four thousand miles, isn't it? And just, I mean, the mileage is uh, slowed down a lot of late. Mm. It's not the uh, the miles it's put on on the uh, on the road that are the issue anymore. It's definitely the track miles, but it's taking the abuse rather yes. well. Yes, it's had two careful owners that car, and then two that have definitely not been careful. That's those being, <laughs> those being us. Uh, and it has no, it's had what, been quite quite sympathetic with it i've never spun it so <laughs> oh, okay here we go here we go just start kicking its head in well aside from that on the rest of the fleet i've been uh, spending my time down the garage getting absolutely filthy uh to be fair i i've, I've been under the car and then subsequently splattered like a plasterer's radio um just covered in wax oil uh, that stuff honestly I mean, I'm sure other disgustingly splatty brands are available, but good as it is at covering everything, it unquestionably covers everything that you know and love for at least a half mile radius of the car. So it's got cardboard down, there's plastic down. It looks like a crime scene because I went in in the condom suit with the glasses on, which are now brown because um, it's just splattered in wax oil. All my lights are covered in it underneath the car, everything. But finally, it's looking half sensible under there and there's a good chance... I might be able to get it out next year, which is a good thing because I've actually been invited along, as you'll hear shortly, to the British Motor Show next year, which we went to in August. And it doesn't seem like that long ago, but already things are hotting up for that, aren't they? So Andrew, who edits the show and you don't normally hear, has been down there chatting to another Andy, has been organising the whole shooting match. And you get to hear a bit more about that now. Hello, I'm Andy Entwistle. I'm Chief Exec of the British Motor Show. And we're here today, Andy, at Farnborough to launch 2022. We are. Really exciting times. It's been a long time coming um, for 2021, but 2022 is going to be on us before we know it. <laughs> well, that, that's exactly it, isn't it, really? Because we're, what, 10 months away now, roughly? Yep, 18th to the 21st of August. About 10 months away. It, it's a really weird one because we, although we, we had a lot of time to plan 2021... <laughs> A little bit more than you'd perhaps have wanted. <laughs> yeah, about 12 months more than we wanted. But equally, we had to then pull everything into about six or seven weeks because of the lockdown. It was only about six or seven weeks before we absolutely knew we were going. Whereas this time we got we got 10 months, so I think what it's going to be like. <laughs> well, exactly. So what, what have you got planned? What's different to last year? What's bigger and better? It's the easiest way. It's, it's more of the same. We had a really successful show. We had great feedback, and we don't want to change that. We want to just take what we did and... More fun, more education, more to do. So we're taking all the stuff that really worked well, increasing the size. We've got another hall, so we've got 30% more indoor space. We'll use more of the outdoor space, so we've got a lot more of the same. But in and amongst that, we're changing things around. So the, the live arena, it worked really well, so we're going to be doing more in the new arena, but slightly different shows so that people who came in 2021 don't sit and go, oh, I saw this last year. <laughs> it's same year. Absolutely. So it's all, it's the same concept, but with different content. It's probably the best way. So, for example, a, a, a great part of the live arena was car football. Oh, um, that was the finale every day, and that went down really well. So we're going to be doing a big finale every day. It's not going to be car football. Can't reveal what it is yet, but it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> You've been teasing us with that one for an hour or so. <laughs> yeah, so watch this space. That that will be coming soon. We're working with Paul Swift on that now. But then we're introducing a few new elements as well. So we are, we're introducing something really cool in the family zone. Um, so Cinch have sponsored that for us, and that's given us the ability to, to go a little bit bigger. And we've got an F1 escape room there. And we've got a TV studio where guests are going to be able to come along and we want to do kids' car reviews. So we're going to be turning um, kids into stars of TV. So, you know. Mini Jeremy Clarkson. Absolutely. And that's exactly <laughs> it. So we're going to have a celebrity introduce them. They'll be able to do their best Jeremy Clarkson bit. And then we'll package it all up and give them a video to put on social. So that's really cool. I'm really pleased about that. We're bringing in motorbikes. We didn't have motorbikes last year. Mm -hmm. We've got motorhomes. And we've also got an award ceremony on the Friday night for the trade, which is really good. So we're just taking it and just going a little bit bigger. And things like the... Um, one of the things that went down really well was the under-17s driving experience. But it sold out really quickly. And it was, there was you know, a few disappointed people. So we're bringing more cars. So, so that's the idea, is that we're just going to give people more and more fun. 
and, and you say under 17s, you did also tease us with even younger than 10, which seems like it's getting a little bit uh, too small, although yeah. back to the Lewis Hamilton starting at you know toddler age almost. And, and do you know what? And that's a big part of what the show's about. It's introducing the younger generation into automotive. I'm a big car fan. I always, I've been that way since I was four. But where did I get it? I got it from going to the motor show. And having not had a motor show for 12 years until until this year, I think we've got a generation that's missed out. So what we're now doing is we're re-engaging. So we're getting those kids so they can go and do karting, which they couldn't do last year. But you're right. The, the under-17s driving is from 10 to 17-year-olds in proper cars. But the company that we're working with has these two-thirds scale vehicles. And that's for children from, I think, four until ten. So if they're not quite tall enough to be able to drive a proper car, they can still have a driving experience, which is going to be a load of fun. And even if they're too small for that, we can still put them in a catering room and they can have a passenger ride. <laughs> and you say you got into it possibly because of motor shows, but this is, isn't an ordinary motor show. This isn't the Earl's Court, you know, shiny new cars, but nothing else, is it? No, and that, that was always the intention. I love car shows, but I also realised that we've moved on. People's expectations moved on. And whereas 25 years ago, a hall full of static cars that you could look at was okay. People have expectations. They want to be entertained. So we, we're really turning this into a day of entertainment. But you can actually, a, a good example of the, the difference between this and the motor shows of old is you can get in the cars and you can test drive them. And you couldn't do that in old motor shows. Um, we want to encourage all of our exhibitors to, to make the car accessible. And as, as I keep saying, it's bums on seats. And people, you know, they leave here and oh, I got to sit in this and I got to sit in a, a Ford Mackie, which they might have read about and, they, and they'd heard about, but not actually got to sit in one. And in fact, you know, we did over a thousand drives of those, test drives of those. So it's all about engaging probably with people, having a great fun day and people just feeling like they've been really involved. Accessible to all yeah, is what yeah. we say. And how important is this then, do you think, to the British car industry, particularly in the, the, you know, the various issues that we've had in the last 18 months or so? I, do you know, I think it's really important. As more and more people are moving to buy online, we need to be able to give them an opportunity to actually taste the goods beforehand, yes. really. You know, it's, and I think people need that. So I think creating this event where we put people in the cars, test driving them or just sitting and getting a touch and a feel. There's not many places they can do that anymore. You know, more and more dealers are closing down. There's more and more online retailers doing a fantastic job. But actually, a lot of people still want to sit and touch and feel. So I think that we're, we're creating that service for the industry. I think we're helping keep the UK on the automotive map. In a time when Geneva's not happened for three years, Frankfurt hasn't happened, New York hasn't happened, we were one of the only motor shows in 2021. We're one of the only motor shows that's 2021 and 2022 has actually has happened or will happen. So we're, we're flying the flag for the UK. And we're doing it differently, you know, because I think some of those big shows, they're, they're struggling because the cost is ridiculous for exhibitors. And it's not for us. We're making it really, really accessible for exhibitors and, of course, for people to come along. It's £37 for a family of four. You, know, you can't even go to the cinema for that, can you? Yeah, no, no, exactly. You don't get much for that in no. this, this day and age, do you? But you do come into here. Absolutely. Alongside all the cars and, you know, classic cars, uh, car owners clubs, all these lots of other people involved, it's also people in the industry around cars it's, it's not just the main manufacturers that attend and display events like this no not at all um people come here for the cars clearly uh, and and that the car is the star but actually the companies around the cars be it people who are selling spare parts cleaning equipment we've had a company that was turning oil drums into seats but then they were spraying them and painting them in ferrari colors or golf colors it's all automotive themed and we all there's nothing you come to a show like this you want to go home with something you, 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 you must do, you know, it's whether it's a key ring or something. So we've got lots of marketplace buyers, but we've also got a lot of support companies. We've got people like the, uh, the IMI, the Institute of the Motor Industry. They're here with us and they're really flying the flag for the UK and what we're doing technically, uh, encouraging people to consider the industry to come and work in as well and showing the latest technology. Um, so, yeah, all sorts. It's not just about cars. There's so much more. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always enjoyed uh, motor shows in the past, and I'm pleased to see that this one looks like it's going to be a success. I'm, I couldn't get there this year, but certainly I'm looking forward to going next year because I think it's everything a motor show should be, and it's not quite so glitz and glamour. It's a bit more real-world motoring. With well, you real say world that, but you were fans. planning on flying in in your private jet, aren't you? Because it's a Farnborough, this one. Well, as it was last year. I couldn't afford the fuel for the private jet. That's really the reason I didn't go. 
landing fees are so expensive. You only ever do the rock star landing. You know, maybe mm. this time perhaps you could be one of those that parachutes out of the out of the plane, you know, with the smoke on and everything else, carrying the, the, the UKMT banner. I want one of those jet backpacks. I think that's uh, that's the way to go. That would be awesome. I, I, I would pay good money to see you arriving by jet backpack. <laughs> I think that's got that's so got potential. <laughs> it's 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 good though. I mean, we've we've obviously been to a number of shows over the years, including Geneva, for example, which is very glitz and glamour. Um, and for me, this was just a bit more chilled. And there's a lot a lot going on there. You could spend more than a day easily if you wanted to, just wandering around looking at everything in detail. But from supercars to electric stuff to to some classic stuff as well, we spent ages. Ages and ages speaking to a chap with a with a Volvo, which was the cleanest nine series Volvo I think I've ever seen. Brake pipes that have been polished in the engine bay, but this is cool. I mean, where can you do that and then go and look at a McLaren or something? It's 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 unusual. It's a little bit quirky. I suppose it's it's British in that regard. You can try some of the cars out if you want to. It's it's a refreshing change for me. I think we've almost all got out of the habit of attending things like that really haven't we but it's uh as as things open up and, and everyone's got various and assorted jabs and boosters and natural immunity or whatever else it is it's it's getting yourself back in the mentality of going out and, and enjoying things like that isn't it um mm. but it's just it's just nice to chat with like-minded people and and realize that it's not just you that likes cars and if you've uh, got a family around you that aren't that mad on cars, you can sometimes feel a little bit odd liking cars so much. And if your immediate group of friends don't like cars that much, it's uh, it's refreshing to get back out there and chat with people who do like cars as much as you do. So I'd, uh, I'd encourage everyone who's listening to, to go along and attend because the more people that attend, the more manufacturers think, oh, that's good value, we'll attend as well. And the bigger and better it gets, and and at Farnborough they've certainly got the room to expand out, haven't they? So it was um, yeah, two two halls, two buildings worth this time round. You know, the the sky's the limit at Farnborough. Get it? Mm-hmm. If, uh, how much they could expand it and and spread out there. You know, you could think of stuff that would fill the entire site, really, couldn't you? And uh, and you mm-hmm. wouldn't be constrained by the room such as you would at the NEC or Excel or somewhere like that. You know, just not that the NEC is a small place. You could spend a lot of time wandering around it. But Farnborough's certainly mm. got the potential to be a rather good value for a day out. And, of course, it's a lot more local to us than uh, than the NEC, isn't it? So, again, that's a, that's a plus point. Or Geneva, admittedly. Yes, yeah, so, although I, d- I did quite like going to Geneva, apart from the money. It was just the cost of everything that was uh, that was a bit stupid. Well, so the changing nature, I think, of motor shows. I think Farnborough is a, it's just a lot more accessible, and it's it's not quite the glitz and glam. I mean, I started going to the NEC in the eighties, and you know the stand costs were enormous. You didn't go on any other than press day because they, the place was full up, and you couldn't get into any of the cars anyway, uh, unless you went on press day. Uh, and that was the era when they were still draping young ladies across. Bonnets and and saw that as as the norm, and you know it's it, the world has moved on fortunately, and uh, a lot more accessible and you can talk to people much more than you could thirty years ago. And my introduction to I think um, uh, I think the first motor show I attended at the NEC, I walked across Clarkson's shot as he was doing his piece to camera, and uh, it's a man's full of bad language, so he got a little bit back as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's necessary these days, though, isn't it? It's social media and everything else. People expect to have an access they didn't have before. Whereas you can do that via reviews and and you know on YouTube, for example, you can see inside outside a car to actually physically experience it and to be able to see it now is is I think people expect it, and it's nice to be able to get up close to the cars, see them, speak to the owners in in many cases. And and I guess the beauty of this show is it's not just manufacturers that are there there are owners there and they aren't just Mm. standard cars or classic cars i mean there's modified cars there as well i mean we grew up in in the max power sort of generation and it's great to see so many people getting involved hi i'm lou and i'm karen and we are going to be involved in running the modified car scene within the british motor show this year so what exactly does the modified car scene at the british motor show mean 
So it's a little bit of modified cars through the ages. So we'll be starting with the oldest of cars going right through to the Max Power era, to the 80s, 90s, right up to the modern day, just to see what sort of modifications that they do, which ranges from air ride wheels to stainless steel engine bays, full exhaust systems, uh, loud cars, exhausts, you name it, we've got it. And I happen to know that loud cars is something that you know something about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I've got a 370Z, uh, it's straight piped, so it's a V6. Um, I've just had some high flow cats put on. Um, I'm having a wide pipe. It's also going into Abbey Motorsports shortly to be uh, mapped, so it will pop, bang, flames, the works. Um, Yeah, so you'll hear me before you see me. On the other hand... I have a 1989 Series 2 RS Turbo with a modified engine, chrome engine bay, wheels, etc., but no popping and banging and no flames. And uh, do you drive these every day? It's not driven every day, but it does car shows and various things during the summer, so about 4,800 miles a year it does. So obviously not COVID years, but it's back in the garage now in the dry. 4,800 is quite a good mileage at the moment, isn't it? (laughs) And yours? Yeah, so mine's driven not daily but weekly, so always goes out on a weekend, still goes to Tesco's, does the shopping, uh, it's parked outside today. Yeah, absolutely, if you've got a car, you've got to drive it. Exactly, exactly, it's what we've always been saying, that there's not much point in having them parked up, not being used, although being seen, of course, is quite good. You brought them last year, lots of interest? Yeah, I mean, the modified stand. We didn't know what it was going to be like uh, first time here, and they swarmed us. So it was great. Lots of people interested, wanting to talk to you about your cars, wanting to know what you're doing. Um, And we had a huge range of kids liking the really modified ones. Like, we've got a guy called Craig who's got a 350 with a big wing on it, to the likes of the older generation that's liking Lou's RS Turbo because it's something that they had back in the day. So this year we're trying to make it bigger and better and have some different cars, and we're also going to have a scene outside as well where they're going to be in the live arena so we will have some burnouts some flames some loud pops and bangs you know everything that everybody wants and getting up close and personal with the vehicles we were talking just now and some people got a little bit closer than perhaps they should have been yes they did but we sorted it out at the end and just stood on guard all day really (laughs) (laughs) don't leave it People do appreciate seeing cars, though, don't they? You say the 80s cars, the 90s cars. I know that Mike is particularly excited about his Orion and things from the 80s because that's just obviously his formative moment. Was the Nissan your formative moment? Um, do you know what? Or has it developed to this? It's, it's developed to this and it is nowhere near finished, although my husband would probably say it's near enough finished <laughs> with the amount of money that I've spent on it. But no, it's nowhere near finished. But um, I will probably have it one to two years more and then I'll be looking for the next project because that's what we do. We just move on. Maybe not so much with Lou, but uh, yeah, I will definitely be looking at something in the future that's bigger and better again. So how long have you had this one? Just over a year. (laughs) This is quite a fast turnover. I'm guessing you've had your escort a bit longer. Yeah, seven years now, but it won't be going anywhere. It's staying. (laughs) I'll be going first. (laughs) So so why did you choose that escort then? I wanted an RS Turbo from about 16 years old and went through the XR2s and the XR2Is and the XR3Is and got to 40 and thought it's time to have an RS Turbo. So this is number three of the RS turbos I had but I was definitely going to have one and I don't need to move on I've got there now where I wanted to be so that's it so did you do the modding yourself or was it pre-modded as it were it was some of it was done before but we have added to it so I don't think there's anything needs to be doing to it now it's done for what I need so I just mod the daily instead (laughs) (laughs) so what's the daily then (laughs) I've got a Mark 6 Golf GTI that's that's not much more sensible really is it (laughs) (laughs) i haven't got sensible as i've got older i've got worse (laughs) and that's what it's all about really isn't it getting less sensible (laughs) so the motor show next year you're mentioning all these vehicles where are they all coming from 
all over, all over the country. So we're both in the modified scene. We know lots of people up and down from Scotland right down to Cornwall. So we are literally putting out a message that we want cars. If you've got something that's special and outstanding, get hold of us. You know, we are on Facebook, but also you'll be able to get hold of us through the British Motor Show website. We want special cars. We want them inside and we want them in the live arena, showing people what the modified scene is about, because we're not all about parking up outside McDonald's in our courses sorry Corsa guys we all start somewhere but we're not all about that we like to park up our cars and talk about what we've done to them and how we've built them so we will be showing that off so that more families can get involved in it and I know that uh, we were talking earlier and oddly enough and Mike will like to hear this the Orions are now back in vogue yes we have I have two people that I know that have three Orions amongst them they're members of the Ford Owners club south coast on facebook if he'd like to get in touch and join them then he could have more orion friends so mike you can come along and uh, display the orion yeah definitely bring it along bring it along they'd love it and so are there any particular kind of cars that you're looking for um anything really we just want something a bit special so we have been in touch with um, a guy called rocky patel the people in the car scene will know him he's got a gtr r35 that's running i think 1587 brake horsepower it's one of the fastest gtrs in the country so we will give the supercars a little bit of a run for their money with these guys coming along but yeah anybody that's got anything special just come along and it doesn't have to be powerful it can be you know a 1.1 but look really special so we're also talking to the max power team to try and get some of the max power cars along um, and also some of the max power girls if we can get them involved as well so if you know a max power girl get her to get in touch through the british motor show website and part of the ethos of the event is education and i know that both of you are very keen to get more women involved in the modding scene yeah, so if there's any girl car clubs out there or any girls that are on their own that are frightened to join a club, come and join us. <laughs> but it's already quite popular with women, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely more than it was when I first started out. But there's still a lot of girls that think their cars aren't good enough or don't think they should be on stands or with clubs, but they need to come and join us, definitely. Lots of outside space here for car clubs as well, so there's no excuse. <laughs> glorious racket uh, definitely a noise that petrol heads are gonna love so there we go maybe the onion will be back together in time i'm hoping so because i'm just running out of patience with it all being in bits and scattered across my garage and garden at this point and who knows might have a couple more friends certainly there are at least three of us now that i know that uh, that still own the ryan's which is uh, which is good news i thought i was alone out there for a while well, it's always nice because you could you could lean on each other then couldn't you because you might have one that works between all three of you you never know, and you can just share it. You don't have to lean too hard in case the rust means that things push through. Watch the suspension just disappears to the top of the car, or windows disappear into it, or something. There's, there's always, there's always that risk. But still, hey, I'd think I'd rather push a four than drive a Vauxhall. Oh! <laughs> he went there. He went there. He did it. Ah. Oh. So they said they're going to give the, the supercars a run for their money, but there, there are definitely a lot of supercars there, and there are supercars you can go for a run in as well, which is which is pretty cool. So there's a charity called Sporting Bears, and you can chuck some money into the metaphorical bucket and then go out in a bucket list car with the owner, who presumably knows as much detail about their car as I do, probably some of them with as much geeky detail as I do, which I love. I like I just love stuff like that. You can go out there, they'll take you out for, for a spin in the car, you get to enjoy it, and you get to give some money to charity. I'm Michael. I'm with Sporting Bears. We are a motor club, UK-wide, with 1,500 members, with the sole aim of raising money for children's charities. So, Michael, we're here today, very specifically with the British Motor Show. What's your involvement with that? Well, we have this wonderful passenger ride experience that we call Dream Rides. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do this at events all over the country. 
big events like Carfest and the NEC Classic Car Show that we're at next weekend. But also we were here with a British Motor Show in August. We brought 30 cars with us, some of which we have on display here today. And over the four days, we did 771 rides uh, and raised £41,000 for children's charities, all of which, 100% of which, goes to the children's charities we support. So even the credit card transaction fee, we pay through our club membership. So it's a very big ethos within the club that if we're going to do this, that 100% has to go to the children's charities we support. So in front of us, we have a very nice McLaren 570 GT. Uh, we have my own Porsche Cayman GT4, a track-based car. A very bright orange uh, Nissan GTR that's running a 4.25 stage tune, I believe. 600 brake, will easily do 200 miles an hour. We have this outlandish Camaro, Chevy Camaro ZL1, Full aero, specifically imported from America. You can't buy them here. Uh, the owner went through a rigorous time trying to get it over. And he's a serial modifier of cars. So as you can see, it's got lots of aero on it. Um, spec wheels running about 770 bhp. So about 120 odd above stock. So it's already a very powerful car and he's just <laughs> ramped it up. And then to give you a wonderful idea of the range of cars within the club, because I've already mentioned sort of supercars, sports cars, super saloons, and then we go into the classics. So we have a beautiful Ford Daytona. It's a replica. It's not the real one, because otherwise it'd probably be, I don't know, five million pounds plus. Um, but it's in this uh, lovely ivory base color with a blue stripe down the center. And it's a replica, but it's a super performance replica. So many regard as being the best. South African based company, I believe, that make it very close to the quality of the original mm. uh, with the same Pro sort of shot better, lines. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes, but you know, really good shot lines and, and so on. And then finally, you know, the, the beautiful classic that we all love, the uh, Jaguar E-Type, and that one's a V12 convertible wow. in a beautiful blue. My father had a 3.8, the straight six, 40 fixed coupe out the factory, actually. Uh, and it was the same color. So I've got a bit of an affinity to that car. <laughs> well, and, and as you say, I mean, it's, it's quite a range, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I mean the, the fact that these are all here today, these people are keen to get the word out about the charity. Very much so. Uh, it's one of the great things about what we do is that when people come on, along to an event and they see our cool walls, so it's got the pictures of the cars, details of, of performance and so on, and they choose what car they want to go out in, there's a really wide, varied number of uh, types of cars. So anything from a classic Mini to the hyper, you know, super hyper cars. And now our members are starting to buy EVs too. So... We, we had a, a Taycan at the <laughs> at the show this year, and I tried to do a rev off with a with an Aventador. It, it didn't quite work, but it, <laughs> but it it was funny, you know. And at the end of the day, it's it, funny. It's all good fun, isn't it? And Absolutely. presumably, your members enjoy doing this, meeting the public, talking about their vehicles. Really, very, very much so. It's actually really quite addictive. And most, <laughs> most of our members join and they either get it straight away or, or sometimes they don't. Uh, but those who get it, it's very, very addictive because somebody's chosen your car specifically. They've looked at our call wall and they've chosen and you know, given a large donation to, to get out in, in your car. So they want to hear all about it, which is lovely. You know, get you, get, <laughs> you get your money's worth, yeah. but you're getting in a car with the owner, you see, so that you're getting to know all the juicy information on that car. And some of them have a really, you know, quite amazing story sometimes. And we have lots of wonderful stories in the mm -hmm. club over the years. We've been going 30 years, so we're, we're very professional about what we do. And there was a young man, by all accounts, who got in a classic mini with one of our members eight years ago or something like that. She's still a member in the club. And he turned up at an event recently with his own Mini. <laughs> and he said he got it. Look, and he found the owner. Yeah. They happened to be there. And he goes, look, 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 I've got my Mini. <laughs> and it was all because of that first ride. Yeah. 
and stories like that are wonderful. Yeah, well, very heartwarming, yeah. yeah. And particularly on something like that that, yes, is choosing them, isn't it? And, and if, if, if something has caught your eye, particularly at an early age, then perhaps that is just the way that you're formed for quite a few years. And I know that most of us have that issue that we get fixated on something and get stuck on it. <laughs> no, in, indeed. And we don't just do uh, our Dream Rides events for donations with the, with the public. We get out to the hospices, we get to the charities, we have other events where we invite the charities that we support and their families to come to a venue and we, we give dream rides for free all day and that gives respite to not just those who are suffering, that sadly you might not see the following year, but also to their parents, to their siblings and they get a very special day and as a family they enjoy something together and make memories and that's really really important so um they're often the days that are most oversubscribed by our members because they want to do those days mm. more than anything else and, and you say you do roughly 50 of these kind of things a year yep. of various shapes and forms yep uh, so all over the country and it may be as, as simple as five cars going to a school fete we do one down at victoria's school which is a special needs school down on the south coast all the way up to the big car events like the British Motor Show, which was a fantastic event for us, especially for a first event. But we're also at Carfest, raised £71,000 there at Carfest South in Basingstoke a couple of months ago. The two NEC classic car shows in November and, and in March, where we're in Hall 5, and we take 60 cars a day to that show. Good capacity. <laughs> Very much so. And we're, we're out there and just to, trying to do something fun. Yeah. So how does one find out about your organisation? Well, you can find us uh, on social media, so the usual sort of at Sporting Bears. We have a website, sportingbears.co.uk, and uh, if there are any budding drivers who would like to get out on their cars and, and join in the fun, you can sign up for membership there. It's just £20 a year. We do quite a bit of social stuff on the side too, if you like your track driving and so on, things like that. We, we get opportunities like that too. It's a good family. It is deeply impressive the amount of money that these guys have managed to raise. We've just seen on Instagram £29,000 they've raised at the NEC. That's just that's just a huge amount of money. It's going to make a big difference to some fantastic causes. So fair play to them. OK, well, a bit of uh, Formula One news. We've uh, not covered it too much over recent podcasts, mainly to avoid putting Gates to sleep. But he looks like he's uh, he's nodded off already. <laughs> so uh, I think, Graham, we can uh, we can have a little chat about Formula One, can't we? Because it was, uh, mm. I, I, I think, at the uh, at the weekend, it was what can only be described as uh, as a masterclass from Sir Lewis Hamilton. I don't uh, don't always call him Sir Lewis, but he uh, he's definitely deserved the title of Sir at the weekend to qualify well but then get a uh, a 20 place penalty and chuck to the back of the grid and then to get a five place penalty for the new engine but still to win the race regardless uh, I mean hats, hats off I'm not the biggest fan of Lewis in the world I'll uh, I'll be the first to admit that but what a drive that was wasn't it that was spectacular yeah. certainly one of the drives of his career I mean over the course of the sprint race and the, the main event on the, on the Sunday, uh, to make up 25 places is just extraordinary. There was one little factoid that I did hear that, that, um, that his uh, scoring his 101st Grand Prix win in Brazil was more than every Brazilian driver in total has ever won in Formula One. Yeah. It's just an extraordinary number. When you're looking at the uh, the Brazilian drivers, you know, Senna, Fittipaldi, Barrichello, Massa, to, to name but a few, you, you think about all the wins they've had between them, and he's he's had more than an entire country put together. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk having more money than plenty of countries put together. Well, they've probably got more money than the United Kingdom's got put together at the mm. moment, but that's uh, another story. That's quite true. Um, but it was, no, he's, he was just on another planet the whole weekend. I mean, I, I, I think it's those who are getting excited about Lewis now charging back and, and taking the world championship by uh, a couple of points at the death by winning the last, uh, what have we got left? Three races to go. Um, Three to go. It's, that's, that's maybe a bit premature because one thing we, we have seen or 
information that's come out of the Mercedes camp is, is reasonably obvious. Their engine starts very strong, and as the mileage goes on it, the, the horsepower tends to bleed away. Much like our Fiesta ST, actually. It, it supposedly started life with 150 brake horsepower, and at 90-something thousand miles later, it's definitely got less. So uh, I can definitely relate to Lewis on that count. It'll be interesting to see if that, that strength of performance carries on, but we've got and out of the remaining races, I, I don't think we can really call whether it's going to be Red Bull or Mercedes having the stronger car. I mean, it's it's been so nice this year having it too close to call and going into each weekend. You're not sure who's going to come out on top. And if one team looks stronger on Friday in the first practice or the second practice, that's not necessarily an indicator for Saturday or indeed Sunday. It's too close to call, but we get, we've got no data. But is is the Mercedes going to have the the rocket ship of, uh, of a brand new engine in it for all of the last three races, or will that peter out and, and Max just holds on? I'm not sure. They'll have to keep that engine now. They, they, they won't sort of change again. But nevertheless, yes, it, it, inevitably the horsepower will drop off. But I think it was quoted yesterday uh, when Lewis overtook, he was 27 kilometres an hour faster on the main straight, which is an extraordinary difference, quite extraordinary. It's almost as though uh, Verstappen was probably running on uh, three cylinders. The difference is enormous. It won't stay that way, inevitably. But I think that engine was still going to be pretty strong all the way through to the end. So from my, my point of view, it's great racing, whoever wins. And I, yes, I would prefer that Lewis won. I'm a bit of a fan, I have to say. But we saw some truly great racing. And even that incident... However you want to read that, if you are one of the stewards or Michael Massey, it was a professional foul, but uh, two masterly drivers who failed to make an incident of it, they simply got on with it. Uh, they used the track limits to their maximum uh, and uh, both survived to fight another day, and so it should be. I think they both went well beyond the Way track beyond. limits, didn't they? Yes. yes, almost into the next nation. <laughs> um, but David Coulthard, I thought, made one uh, uh, impolitic, if you like, remark, which was, uh, well, Michael Schumacher used to push me off all the time. So, you know, we, we are obliged these days to remember Schumacher as a good guy and not the fact that he was uh, a, a very much the professional sportsman and capable of the professional foul whenever it suited him. I saw the tweet from... Mercedes today saying they uh, they wanted to reopen the case. So Mercedes, I think, felt fairly battered and bruised over the weekend by yeah. stewards or technical regulations or lack thereof. I mean, the uh, Toto was moaning about the rear wing. It it failed the test, and there's no no two ways about it. It either passes or it doesn't. It meets the measurements or it doesn't. Uh, okay, it was only was it something like zero point two or point two, you know, two millimeters out, or it very very microscopic. It was zero point two on one side only, which uh, yeah, I know, mean that's, they, that's... they've said re represents some some damage during the the, the event. That's yeah, I think they said it was uh, uh, either damage or or finger trouble that if you if you tightened up something that was loose or readjusted something that had uh, had been struck it, it then passed but ultimately the rules are the rules you know if uh, if the rules are that you have to have something on the car deliberately to slow it down it's not good enough to then say that wear or tear or damage has then remove that or change that part from being legal i mean you go you go all the way back in history when they first put the plank under the cars and you had schumacher's benetton in uh, was it spa 94 was ruled illegal because the plank had worn down too much the plank is there to avoid you running too close to the ground mm -hmm. they said the plank had been damaged by this incident where he ran over the curb and you could see all the the sparks flying up and everything didn't matter. It didn't matter because the plank is there so that you don't run too low. The plank has to be 10 millimetres new and minus no more than 10%. It was worn down 10.4% or whatever it was. It's it's illegal. That's it. Uh, the Michelin tyres in 2004, they had to be a certain measurement at all times. Mm. Uh, whereas Michelin... Well, actually, I think the original rule was 
when brand new and fitted, the tyres must be no more than however many millimetres wide. Michelin actually designed the tyres so that as they wore down, they got wider. They they made the tyres in, you know, an exaggerated form. It was a pyramid shape. The more you wore them down, the wider they got. And the, the rules were changed so that, that you can no longer do that. But the, the rules are the rules. I don't think I have any problem with, with compliance with the rules. I think there were certain inequities in the way in which those rules were applied over the course of the weekend. And, and you know, uh, some of the penalties applied were, were disproportionate. I mean, even Verstappen's, was it $50,000 for touching the back of uh, Lewis's Mercedes? Oh, yeah, that, that, that's, that was, that's, that's, that was that's ridiculous. just ridiculous. Absolutely it was absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. And, and then for Lewis, uh, on the slowing down lap, loosened his belts to grab the flag from the marshal was fined five thousand dollars for that that's that's just madness you know that's 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 been done through time immemorial in formula one such thing yeah i did and, i did see something there was a suggestion that verstappen touching the wing could have influenced or resulted in the damage that meant it was illegal i mean fit no. as a fiddle though max verstappen is i'm not sure that to be honest, unfit as a fiddle, though all four of us are, I think that if we all stood on Hamilton's rear wing and jumped up and down on it as hard mm-hmm. as we could, we wouldn't do any damage that would make it legal or illegal. Regardless of the damage, it's no good to say, oh, it was only point however millimetres out, so therefore there was a bit of damage, so let us off. Otherwise, every single team would simply engineer their cars in a certain way so that on the first lap, they just bump into each other, and all the bits that slow it down would fall off, and then you'd you'd carry on. It's it doesn't it doesn't quite work like that, you know. You'd you'd have a minimum weight limit, and every team would simply bolt their ballast on to the ed- the very outside extremities, have a little touch in the first corner, the ballast goes flying off, and you say, well, you know, we were over the weight limit, or we were complying with the weight limit at the start of the race, he banged into me, so 200 kilos fell off, so that's why I'm 200 <laughs> kilos under limit. It, 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 that, that argument doesn't quite wash with me. But... I, I, I just, given, given the severity of some of the penalties handed down over the course of this weekend, I was sort of speculating as to if those particular penalties were retrospective, how many races would have to be rethought how many world champions wouldn't be world champions uh, I, I just it's just a, a little bit silly the way the stewards are applying those rules oh yeah that yeah there'd have to be so many rethinks wouldn't there once the weekend is done you know once everybody's packed up and and gone home you know i think they should have a time limit of midnight on the Sunday or seven o'clock on the Monday or whatever it is and, and after that, no, you're done and dusted. No more inputs. I think Mercedes have said today they'll they want to reopen or have re examine the the incident and, and I use the term loosely incident. I mean between Verstappen and Lewis on, on lap forty odd, whatever it was, when uh, when they ran wide out of turn four, forty eight. Because they have, having seen Verstappen's on board this morning, you know, he doesn't open the steering, he doesn't steer into Lewis uh, in the same way that, say, Lewis steered into Rosberg at, at Turn 1 at Austin a few years ago. The, there's no Schumacher looking in his mirrors, seeing where Villeneuve is, turning in, turning out, turning in. You know, the, there's none of that. He aims for the apex. It's quite clear he's going way too fast because he's outbraked himself, but he's outbraked himself. And looking at the speed that Lewis carried into that corner as well, rocket ship down the straight though that car was, it didn't have a 30 kilometre advantage through turn four over the Red Bull. So there's no way in hell Lewis was making that corner either. So they were just racing, but they picked the, you know, Lewis picked a point to go around the outside. And if you're going to go around the outside, you always have to bear in mind the guy in front is going to run you out of road simple as that yep. so he picked it at a corner where he knew he could be run out of road and therefore could run wide if there was a metal barrier all the way around the outside of that yep, turn, that, that would have been very no different. way would no way would lewis have even tried that move yep. because it wouldn't have been on he went out there with the escape plan of okay well if it if it's all going wrong halfway around the corner then I'll uh, I'll keep my foot in. I'll go a bit too quick. I'll carry the speed. I'll go off track and say he falls me off and carry on. I mean, Lewis in the 
press conference and the interviews afterwards and just said, no, it was racing. We, he, he near enough said, yeah, we both braked way too late and went in too fast. Um, so we both ran wide and, and lived to fight another day, but Lewis won yeah. and got him fair and square. So I, I don't think any of them had any truck with it. I think it's best thing just to write that particular bit off as a racing incident. It, it, it was a professional racer's incident, and we've, we've seen many of those over the years. I don't see there's a value to Mercedes of protesting. They may have new information. Is it of any value to them? You know, other, other than a sense of righteousness. And and clearly, uh, Toto was very, very heated over the weekend. You don't often hear him swear on, on the uh, team radio, but, um, you know, that, see, he was uh, just losing it a little bit. And at the same time, Christian Horner post-race was just a wee bit smug, even by his standards. It's, I don't know, it's, it's like watching uh, two parents who are in the middle of getting divorced, aren't they? Mm. I, I kind of mm. feel like a 12-year-old. It's, it just gets ever so slightly awkward between the two of them, doesn't it? But it's, uh, it's entertaining to watch. But I, I, just, I, th- I think there needs to be a bit of a handle brought down on referee's decision is final and and if at the time it's decided that that's that you know because we, we don't want the championship decided no. in a courtroom do we it's time to move on yeah exactly that's it the the race is done and dusted you have a, a time limit of however many minutes or hours after the incident or after the race to uh to lodge an appeal if you don't do it then case closed job done move on and and that's it um but in uh in in moving on and other news uh there's uh, been quite a lot of speculation and then stories and then denials and then retractions and then hastily edited stories about McLaren in the last few days, haven't they? I mean, maybe they thought Red Bull and Mercedes were getting too many column inches, so they needed to uh, to bump mm-hmm. things up a bit. But have have Audi bought McLaren? Are Audi buying McLaren? I mean, it's a Porsche Audi in, of, in some guys coming into Formula One as an engine supplier has been floating around for quite a little while if you want to buy into formula one and and get a team on the grid the easiest way to do it is to buy an existing team due to the 200 million dollar euro pounds whatever it is entry fee you you somehow need to give just for the privilege of turning up i mean i i I think that figure needs adjusting the usual way of doing that has been to buy uh, a a rear team uh, one in the back third of the grid because they're more affordable, and and then allow yourself two or three seasons and a massive investment to take it to the front. If Audi are buying into the racing division, the F1 division of McLaren, they're buying in a, in a, to a team which is going places very fast. I mean, they've been a remarkable turnaround this season and the last season, and you know to to compete with the front runners and uh, certainly the likes of Ferrari, they're going places very, very fast. And clearly Audi uh, have seen uh, a way ahead for themselves, and it looks like that they will buy in. The downside of it, uh, I would have liked to have seen more teams rather than just sticking with the 10 teams on the grid by one major manufacturer buying into another. So there are rumours also that uh, VW will come in with either itself or with the Porsche brand and I would certainly welcome an 11-team grid or even a 12-team grid just to spice it all up. But at the moment, uh, one looks at Haas and thinks, mm, well, they they need bailing out, and they've had plenty of money thrown at them. Yeah, I think it's, uh, again, a, a regulation that needs rethinking, maybe. The, the 200 million euro, dollar, pound, whatever currency they seem to use in Formula 1, in a current budget cap of 150 million ish give or take depending on what's going on to have to just give somebody 200 million dollars before you've even turned up to then spend 150 million dollars it's it's a little bit odd to you know i always say you know it's fairly common business knowledge that if you're starting a new business you need to make sure you've got at least a year's overheads in the bank so you can establish yourself and not have to worry about cash flow in the first year so it seems the opposite, doesn't it, to uh, to have to lodge that amount of money to just turn up. It's well, if if you're struggling for money, but you've had to give somebody two hundred million to spend one hundred and fifty, it's it's a, a huge barrier to entry. I mean, I'm not saying it should be easy to get into Formula One, but I think 
you know, raising 150 or 200 or 350 million isn't easy. It's, you know, it's not something that we just decide to do on a whim and say, how hard can it be? You've got to be serious to raise that sort of cash. But it, it seems to be just stifling that that yep. new entrance. And yep. I, if if Audi have done anything with McLaren, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd welcome Audi, I'd welcome Porsche or VW or Seat or Skoda or Lamborghini or whichever one of their brands they wanted to use. But I'd, I'd quite like to see, you know, maybe two additional teams or... Do they join as an engine supplier and say, OK, we're supplying McLaren, uh, so we can have McLaren tag Porsche and, you know, back on the grid again. That's slightly romantic, but it would be good. And Porsche have their own works entry and Audi have their own works entry, all using the same engine, the same power unit, uh, badged differently depending on the brand and Audi and VW or Audi and Porsche or Porsche and Audi could exist in the same way that Red Bull and Alpha Tauri do. And McLaren are, are simply a customer. I mean, whether McLaren had once swap away from Mercedes engines, I think the Mercedes engine deal is fairly long term. So Mercedes, Audi, you know, where there's, there's a bit of competition there. So whether they'd welcome that too much, I'm not sure. But it's uh, there's, there's been a lot of rumours and a lot of denial. So I'm sure the truth mm. will come mm. out over the next few days and weeks. And we, we've said how the dramatic improvement in the fortunes of McLaren. It's certainly uh, a lot of the um, success of the McLaren has to be attributable to that Mercedes engine. So here's one for you. So a local chap to pretty much all of us is driving from Land's End to John O'Groats, which is, in itself is impressive but not unusual. It was about 870 miles-ish, I think. But he's doing it in a PLP 50, so clearly is an absolute maniac, just like us. So he's our kind of guy. And he's doing <laughs> it for charity, isn't he? Indeed, it's the Children in Need appeal for the BBC. There's a, a, a great video online showing you the, the all the peels in, in the workshop. A workshop that's full of peel P50s, which I find an extraordinary concept in itself. This is a P Reg peel, which I looked at and thought, that, that can't be right. But it's only been built in 2017. I, I love the fact that the, the, this car is so small. I could not do five miles in it. It would probably ruin my back and every other bit of me. Um, so, you know, it's not an easy drive to do 800 plus miles in it. But for charity, good on him. And the fact that um, he and uh, his young lady, who was clearly driving the support vehicle, we're just lifting it in and out of the back of that support vehicle. Uh, so it's not exactly heavyweight. And I was amused in the workshop with them lifting them up on a forklift truck. You know, No expensive kit. And he's not as though he's a, a little lad. I mean, he's a big, tall, hefty-built lad who basically fills the car up, I'm sure. So uh, not a lot of room to stretch out. But it's, uh, it's going to take him a while. So there's, uh, there's plenty of time left to uh, donate. But he'd, he'd set himself a... £2,000 goal, which is a, a cracking amount of money to raise on your own just for a, a stunt like that. But at, uh, at time of recording, and it's a Tuesday evening, he's already up to £4,500, which he's managed to do in, in just great. a couple of days. Good for him. Good and for him. It's, it's cracking. This is, uh, this is hopefully one of those charity endeavours that just blows up and goes a little bit vile, you know, a bit like Captain Sir Thomas More. Uh, just started off and, and hoped to raise a couple of hundred quid and ended up going absolutely insane. I mean, I'm not, not saying it's going to go as uh, as mad as that, but to have doubled your target when you haven't even finished yet is uh, is really impressive. So fair play to the chap. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good on him. It's a hell of an endeavour, and it's, uh, it's going to take him roughly two weeks to do it, so he says. But I think just, uh, just catching up on his latest YouTube uh, video, if you search UK and appeal... P50, it'll, uh, it'll all pop up. But, uh, of course, being from down south, we tend to think of it as Land's End to John O'Groats as a journey. But he's doing John O'Groats to Land's End, because looking at this, he's uh, he's currently flying around Knockhill. Uh, so I thought, well, he's either got up there very quickly, or he's uh, he's driven the entire way and not had quite enough time in the car. So we thought he'd do some driving around in uh, in circles just to complete the journey. Um, but yeah, so no wonder it's going to take him two weeks if he's mucking around doing laps of racetracks as he heads down. But why not indeed? If if you're there and you've uh, got a bit of track time, why not take advantage? Definitely. I, I think it might be 
I'm not sure entertaining is the right word. I think it might be terrifying in something that small. Is he on track with anything else? Uh, no, I think he's on his own. But looking at the uh, the speed, the man's waving the checkered flag and everybody's walking around in the background. The footage has been somewhat sped up because he looked like, like he was a black and white movie. miles an hour down the pit straight. So maybe, uh, maybe we should try that in the Fiesta, just uh, speed up the footage afterwards and make it look a lot quicker. It'll be very That's quick. a great idea. That's a great idea. It always feels quicker from in, inside, particularly if you're spinning sideways and going backwards. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Three-wheeler, track, peel, oh, I don't know. At least you know most corners would be flat and comfortably yes. flat. I like the idea that you could have a, a race support vehicle, which would be just a van with another one in it. <laughs> so you could fit a couple of them in there. Yeah, I think, well, to be fair, if he runs out of uh, petrol or breaks down, I think you can just pick them up and carry them or wheel them along quite easily, can't you? And it's not too much of a hassle to do so. A couple of marshals come out, pick you up, carry you off. Yeah, you'd be well away. Yeah. But uh, no, fair, fair play to the guy. I mean, it's a great uh, a great charity, a great idea. And the, uh, the more clicks and views and links and uh, and things like that, if, he, uh, if he's done four and a half grand over a couple of days, well, over two weeks, if he can carry on that rate, then that's going to be a cracking amount of money for charity, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely different. And again, uniquely British, I think that, isn't it? Really, really is. You can't imagine them doing anything like that anywhere else in the world. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to subject myself to two weeks of, what really, honestly and truly, is motoring misery. But I'm going to try and have some fun on the way and uh, get a bit of track work in and, uh, and play some bagpipes, so it says here. Well, why not indeed? Well, good luck to him. Really, uh, really look forward to seeing how he gets on with that. Hopefully, we'll catch up in the next podcast and find out how he did. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's local to us, so uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see if we can track him down and catch up with him in person. Who knows? That would be awesome. But for now, it's time to say good night, good morning, or cheerio, or anyway, wherever you are. I'm Mike. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. I'm Jim. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. And it's good night from me, Graham. It's nice to end on a good story, a cheery story, and uh, hopefully the man will uh, make an awful lot of money for a very worthwhile charity. UK Motor Talk, a first-take media production.